The Fantasy Basketball Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, and Arizona. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and receive a $1,000 risk-free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. Head over to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app today. We're also brought to you by Better Fantasy. Better Fantasy is a new free-to-play app that lets you sync your fantasy football league and bet on the head-to-head matchups. Download the app today or just head over to betterfantasy.com backslash SGPN. That's betterfantasy.com backslash SGPN. We're also brought to you by SoBet. Sign up to bet against your friends and join the social betting revolution at SoBet.io backslash SGPN. That's SoBet.io. .io backslash SGPN. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app, your home for all of our free picks and podcasts. Hello and welcome into the Fantasy Basketball Podcast presented by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I am your host, Justin Bruni. Joining me as always is my co-host and confidant, Steve Haman. How are we doing, sir? We're doing good. What's going on, Justin? Not a whole lot, not a whole lot. We have a, a pretty exciting week in, uh, in sports here. We got the NBA popping off at the trade deadline. Still have a couple of days left here before we get through. Uh, we've got the Super Bowl this weekend, so we got a lot of exciting stuff going on. How's everything going with you? Yeah, and then beyond that, we even have the All-Star game um, weekend after that. So we really hit a good, good point in sports right now. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We're moving right along here. Uh, football's going to be over here soon, and then we're going to kick off into the offseason. That'll be a lot of fun. And we got a lot of movement in the association right now, which is uh, always a little bit fun, especially for us fantasy nerds. Uh, let's just jump right into the conversation here. You know, Before we get through to the trades that have gone through, uh, what do you think about uh, the dealings between the Brooklyn Nets and Philadelphia 76ers right now? Uh, Nets want a lot. <laughs> uh, they've been going back and forth, and I believe the current counteroffer is asking for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Matisse Thibel, and Andre Drummond for James Harden and you know probably Patty Mills, you know, or a piece. Uh, seems pretty lopsided, Steve. What do you what do you think about this? Yeah, I'm sure that that's what the Brooklyn Nets want. That would <laughs> build out their team and have them being you know easy front runners uh, for the East at least. Uh, yeah, I heard Seth Curry's kind of been a sticking piece in all these negotiations. Um, mm-hmm. if I'm the Nets, I would love Seth Curry. Um, but yeah, adding Andre Drummond in there as well. I, yeah, I don't know how that one really got thrown in there. Yeah, it seems a bit rich. I mean, you know, oh, you want James Harden, you know. Cool. We'll need a starting lineup in return. That's that's, that's what we're going to want back. You know, at first they were asking for uh, for Maxi, and they said no. And I think I believe in the first offer it was something like Simmons, Maxi, Thibel for Simmons, or I'm sorry, Simmons was included in there. Well, just for Harden straight up, and probably some you know draft considerations. But they said no, no, no way. We're keeping Maxi. So they're like, all right, fine, no, no Maxi. We'll do Curry, Simmons, Thibel. Oh, and Andre Drummond, who would be you know. Every one of those guys would start for them, you know, especially the nights with Ky- Kyrie having to uh, take off. You know, you'd see more uh, more time from Seth Curry. But, yeah, it's a bit much. It's a bit rich, we'll say. 
Uh, I'm doubting that a deal is going to happen. You know, I'm hearing from both sides. You know, we're seeing Steve Nash say very publicly, we don't want to trade him before the deadline. Not in our interest. You know, we're seeing the narrative from James Harden's side, like, oh, you know, he's really providing a lot of pressure to the to the Nets saying he wants out. He wants to go to the Sixers. But I just don't see it balancing out for either side. I just don't think this deal is going to happen. What do you think? Yeah, I think if it gets done, it's going to be one of those last-minute deals. It's a deal that, in my opinion, should be a lot easier than both teams have made it. Uh, the Sixers mm-hmm. all season have made the price tag for Ben Simmons be through the roof. And then, yep. you know, now they're finally getting a taste of their own medicine. Seems like these two pieces are just too far apart um, mm-hmm. to get something done here in, in the middle of the season. Uh, so if it does, it's going to be one of them last minute, last minute things. If they did pull this off, they have to get a third team involved, in my opinion, because they're going to need something else back other than James Harden and Patty Mills. Like, like I said, you'd be giving a starting lineup. Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Matias Theibel, Andre Drummond. I mean, I guess we're just looking at four here, but I think at one point they were looking at Maxi in that bit as well. It's like four four starters on their team. It'd be absolutely crazy. Uh, I just don't see that that level that that level of a trade happening. Uh, maybe they get something a little bit smoother, but I, I don't think so. I, I don't think that the Nets are going to come back and be like, you know what? Yeah, we will take like a lot less. Actually, I don't think that's going to happen. All right, let's jump into the actual trades that have occurred. So first one up, this one's really weird. When we're going through these trades, you know, we're going to be grading the trade in general, you know, and then just kind of reviewing like the fantasy stocks of each each player. Like, are they in a better situation? Are they going to be, you know, hitting above their average production or below their average production in their new landing spot? And we've got a couple of guys that have moved and then already been moved again. And that might be the case for a couple more players we're going to name here. So first one up, we've got the Pacers and the Kings. This is a weird one, Steve. So Indiana, they receive Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Tristan Thompson, Sacramento receives Demonte Sabanis, Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, and a future second-round pick that is protected. Instant thoughts on this. Who wins this trade? For me, who wins this trade is the Indiana Pacers, Tyrese Halliburton mm-hmm. being the main piece of that. Um, but when I got this Woj bomb the other day, middle of the day, not what I was expecting at all. Uh, kind of yeah. questioning both teams' angle on this. Um, Kings, is Sabanis going to put them over the limit? Uh, I don't think so. No, I mean, because you're, I mean, maybe if you were adding him in with Tyrese Halliburton, that would be the case. You know, if you were bringing him on with like another, you know, rising star in this league, maybe I'd feel that way. Uh, but I agree with you. Indiana won this one outright. I'm not sure where Sacramento's head is. You know, are they going to continue to clean house? You know, I feel like De'Aaron Fox was the guy that they wanted to move. And Tyrese Halliburton was kind of like, you know, the bridge for tomorrow, like the piece that we wanted to build around here and with the Kings in Sacramento. But now I just feel like, all right, they've made this move. I feel like everybody's on the chopping block. De'Aaron Fox, I think Harrison Barnes should be on, uh, should be available. Rashawn Holmes, Marvin Bagley still, who we, I feel like we all expected to get moved well before Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, I mean, Halliburton, I mean, I get, like I said, rising star, right? He's uh, averaging about 14 points uh, this season, about four rebounds, 3.9, seven and a half assists, and almost two steals a game. Uh, shoots the three ball really well, uh, can obviously distribute. I, I mean, I'm I'm actually pretty excited about this Pacers team. It's a damn shame that they're, you know, both of these teams are actually like 13th in their conference. It's not like 
you know, the, I, this trade is going to move the needle for either of them. It's not like we're even talking about them making it to the play-in uh, version of the playoffs, you know, 7 through 10. I think that's kind of a tall order here. But, yeah, you look at this Indianapolis lineup, and, you know, it, it, there's talk that the Buddy Heald situation may not be over, that they're actually still looking to move him. I'm, I'm interested to see what they're going to do with that. But if he were to stay with the Pacers, I think his stock would rise. You know, he's a guy that's averaging about 25 fantasy points a game this season. I think we could expect that to go up. I think that he would get more minutes, maybe not playing, you know, just like that six-man role that he was with with the Kings. Um, as far as these other guys, Halliburton, you know, he's averaging about 36 po- fantasy points a game this season. I expect that number to continue to climb maybe until Miles Turner comes back. I mean, I guess when you look at the Pacers now, like we both agree that they won the trade. You know, who's going to be the ball dominator here, Steve? Like you got Brogdon, you got Halliburton, you have Turner. And I feel like, you know, putting Sabanis, you know, in Sacramento just kind of opens the door for Turner to be the guy down there. Like maybe they don't have to move on from him. All the reports that I've read too out of there is this trade has really changed Miles Turner's long-term future there. He's taken warm to this trade. He thinks, mm-hmm. I'm sure with a player like Halliburton who can uh, dish the ball out like that, if, if I'm Miles Turner and I want all of that, and if they keep Buddy Heald, stretches the floor for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think Buddy Heald, there's a chance that he does get moved again just because they have the likes of Brogdon, um, Halliburton, mm-hmm. obviously now. Um, they have some Duarte, other – Chris Duarte. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think Buddy Heald – and there's teams out there – Lakers who probably would pay mm-hmm. right now for a buddy healed. Um, so no, I, I think this is big for them. Um, you can't Sabonis. You didn't, it wasn't enough consistency and injuries were starting to rear their head at times. So mm-hmm. I think this is going to be miles Turner's team from here on out. And then, you know, we'll see what Halliburton can become right now. It looks like he's going to be an absolute stud in this league. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Pro- prolific young player. I like Heald on the team. You know, he and you know Duarte. I feel like could balance out that three spot. Um, you still have Lance Stevenson there. That I they say that they're gonna you know keep on till the end of the year. I don't know if he's actually gotten that contract. I feel like they keep giving him uh, ten day after ten day contracts. I'm not sure if they actually give him a real deal here. I think they did after four. They after four ten days, they finally gave him signed him for the rest of the year. How kind of them? How kind of them? <laughs> um, you know, on the flip side for the Kings, like I said, it's really hard to you know, bet on if Sabonis' stock is going to go up or down. I mean, he's been super solid on the season. When you're looking at the fantasy aspect of things, you know, he's averaging 47 fantasy points uh, per game this season. And in the last 30 days, he's averaged 51. Like, you know, he's been playing really well before this trade here. But it's hard to say, like, if that's going to go up or down. I would assume it would continue to kind of stay where it's at or go up because, Right now, you know, the way the roster looks, you know, he doesn't really have anyone that's going to take the ball out of his hands. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to be the guy down low. You know, he's going to be, he's going to be getting rebounds over Holmes and probably Bagley, more playing time. Darren Fox is shooting terrible. Davion Mitchell, not a reliable shooter. They also got Justin Holiday in this trade. I mean, is, is he someone that you would be looking to buy? I feel like he's going to have more opportunity with the Kings. He's uh, averaging about 20 fantasy points per game. Obviously, that's underwhelming, but do you think there's some opportunity for that to rise up You know, with this new opportunity with uh, Sacramento? I, I do think there will be. I, I even really like Davion Mitchell. I think he's going to kind of slot into that role that Halliburton was in. He's been getting 30-plus mm-hmm. minutes a game. I think this is where his role kind of expands. I'm sure that Justin Holiday will be a piece for the rest of the season there. Um, long term, I'm not sure what that will look like. Um, right. 
But yeah, I think Sabonis, his usage has got to go through the roof here because, or, or else what were the Kings really thinking making this move? I, I don't think he's going to be right. out. Like, I don't, I don't think he compliments De'Aaron Fox tremendously. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that they can, you know, coexist, but his usage has got to go through the roof for this trade to make any sense at all. What would you think about uh, De'Aaron Fox and Harrison Barnes for Russell Westbrook? I would not. I personally would not. Um, the Kings might because they seem to think opposite of how I think. <laughs> or most folks, or most folks. Yeah. Russell Westbrook also saw his name uh, in the mix with uh, maybe the, the the Knicks. We've been talking a lot about those guards. Uh, I think I saw someone on ESPN last night. They recommended um, like Alec Burks, Kemba Walker, and Evan Fournier for Russell Westbrook and... I don't know. It was an aging veteran. It was someone older. I don't remember who it was. Um, I'll take wasn't, uh, wasn't Talon Rashawn. Horton Tucker. Oh, Wayne Ellington. It was Wayne Ellington and like a you know like a pick or something. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that they want to, especially after that loss that they just took to the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm sure that they want to make some change. And Westbrook's mm-hmm. he's the elephant in the room. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean a- absolutely. If there's a name on the block there for the Lakers, like he's he's the guy. I don't I don't see. I don't know why either side, Westbrook or the Lakers, would want to retain him. Like he is not getting the sim, the, like the, just the usual usage, right? Like he is a ball dominator. Like he needs to have the offense focused around him, or at least be that second guy, or you know, have a second guy there. And that's kind of I kind of I like that fit with the Kings. Like I feel like that could that could work um, because you have a ball dominator like Westbrook that can feed into a big man like Sabonis, like. Don't don't kid around, guys. Like Sabonis is having a fantastic season. Almost 19 points a game, 12 rebounds, five assists, and a steal. Like the Kings got a good player. It's just that it doesn't make sense on paper because Halliburton's four years younger than Sabonis, and you could have built around him for another half of a decade. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it, it just it just doesn't really add up. They got a really good p- uh, player back. You know, like we said, like in fantasy, he's definitely a hold. You're not going to sell him. The production is probably going to be even keel, if not better. Uh, but I would like to see, you know, if the Lakers are going to be involved in, you know, trying to get maybe some youth and some veteran um, veteran experience. I think that's a good mix, you know, from Darren Fox, Barnes for Westbrook. I'm sure I'm way off on the money here. Like, I'm, sh- I'm sure there's got to be something balanced out with another player or draft consideration. But I feel like that's a that's a good match. And I just feel like the Kings aren't done. I, I feel like they're they just can't be done with just getting rid of Tyrese Halliburton. Otherwise, the world's just going to be like putting them under a microscope for the next, you know, three, three or four seasons. Oh yeah. Hey, I'll take uh, Rashawn Holmes to the Chicago Bulls, please. Oh, please, please. I got a second round. I don't know why it hasn't happened yet. I don't know. I don't know why it hasn't happened yet. Uh, Another name that I've been hearing to the Kings potentially could be Jeremy Grant. So I would, I would assume that, you know, you'd move on from maybe like Harrison Barnes and Bagley, or maybe it's, maybe it's Bagley and, I don't know. I wouldn't give up Holmes in that trade, and I think they're kind of settled with big men in Detroit. But I think Barnes and Bagley would would be a good swap for for Jeremy Grant. Um, I think the Pistons again. would love to take a swing on someone like Bagley too, just with mm-hmm. that young core that they got. Obviously, it hasn't worked out this far into his career, um, but you know, franchise will do that all the time. Take a chance on a player based on where they're drafted, and hope that they can get the potential that maybe an organization, not the best organization like the Kings, can get. I hear you. I hear you. Really quick, uh, any love for Tristan Thompson? Is he going to turn the corner here with the Pacers? 
No, I'm. I was honestly more surprised that that wasn't Bagley in that trade, and it was Tristan Thompson there. Because if I was the Pacers, I would have loved to scoop me up Bagley there in case you know with the impending Turner, if he's there, if he's not, you have some insurance. Um, I, I don't hold out much hope here for Tristan Thompson. Yeah, I think if he's going to turn a corner, it's probably going to be to an, another team. I don't think Tristan Thompson's interested in playing in uh, in Indianapolis. All right, next up, we've got the the Blazers and the Pelicans trade featuring the New Orleans Pelicans receiving CJ McCollum, Larry Nance Jr., and Tony Snell. Portland receives Josh Hart, Thomas Sadoransky, who has already been moved again, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who has already been moved again, Didzi Luzada, a 2022 first-round pick that's protected, and two future second-round picks. Quite the swap here. Uh, what are your instant reactions from this? Who won this trade, Steve? I, I got to give it to the Pelicans. Um, if if we could see Zion back with them, we got Zion, Brandon Ingram, and CJ McCollum. I, I like that pairing that they have there. Pelicans obviously have a tough time drawing in free agents, so this mm-hmm. is where they have to make their moves. Um, for Portland, I mean, this is just a sign that they're giving up on what they've been yep. trying to build there for you know eight plus years. Um, so. Yeah, I, I got to give it to the Pelicans. They made a they made a splash here. Lance, Larry Nance, I think he can you know he can be a rotation guy. Um, but also, I can't blame Portland for wanting to tear down what they had. It clearly hasn't been working. The next right. big piece will be you know what does Dame Lillard do? What do they do with Dame Lillard? Yeah, that that'll be interesting if he does get moved. I would assume that he's going to be on the on the block. He doesn't have much to come back to this season. Uh, certainly not going to motivate him to uh, make a return this year. Uh, but I agree with you. The Pelicans definitely won this trade, but I don't know if it's necessarily the home run that people are buying that it is. Like, I don't think that ad- adding CJ McCollum is going to be a move that's going to protect. Zion Williamson like I don't think that just like oh Zion's like oh sweet we got CJ McCollum I'm definitely coming back to the Pelicans I I don't know it's it's not it's a good move like don't get me wrong but I don't think it's a move that necessarily signals to Zion like oh hey this is where I want to be they're really trying to build us you know a championship team CJ McCollum is you know he's a damn good shooter good ball distributor but I feel like it's also a pretty unilateral move for him like he and Dame were you know to, you know splitting the touches pretty you know pretty much down the middle as far as the shooters go he's in a very similar situation now with Brandon Ingram um, mm-hmm. obviously I well not obviously but I believe Devonte Graham's stock goes down in, in, in this lineup I would assume that some of his production is gonna move over to CJ McCollum uh, but I like the fact that those two can play off of each other because Brandon Ingram will be able to come off the ball. Um, more often than having to create his own shot like he's been doing for the Pelicans, which is nice. But at the same time, I feel like there's going to be some hot and coldness to both both of these guys because they're going to need to figure out each other's game, you know, get it going, find that balance between each other. So I feel like it's kind of unilateral uh, in, in the sense that, you know, Brandon Ingram now becomes McCollum's Dame Lillard, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I, I do think you're right. Um, two scores like that, they will have to find themselves in the offense and find their new role. So do you think if Zion could have his way, um, well, and he will be here in a couple of years, but would he rather play with C.J. McCollum, Brandon Ingram on the Pelicans with max mm-hmm. money or take a, you know, obviously have a sizable um, salary still, but a little bit of a pay cut to go play with the Knicks play with Cam Reddish, Reddish and RJ Barrett 
Oh, absolutely. Think? Go play with the Knicks. Because yeah. for his brand, he's going to make more money just living in New York than he is, you know, living in New Orleans. Like that's that's just a fact. Like it's it's an international brand in New York Knicks. I mean, I don't want to, you know, blow too much smoke uh up up the Knicks uh, uh tree here, but I, you know, that's an easy one for me. You, you go to the Knicks, whether you're going to make a championship run or not, it's just going to be better for you in the long run brand wise. And he's had a lot of injuries, Zion. Like, you know, like you guys may scoff at those, the idea of that, like, oh, go to New York because you're going to make more money on the side. Well, he may need to make more money on the side because his health has been a serious issue. And every time we see him, he doesn't really look like, you know, they say he's rehabbing. I don't know what the rehab looks like. It looks like a drive through line to me. Um, <laughs> Cause I, I don't know what he's doing. You know what I mean? Like I, I never su- suspected that he was going to come back this season because I just always knew the Pelicans were going to be bad, like really bad without him. Pretty much what they've been. Uh, they have had some bright spots every now and again, his absence has allowed the development of you know, like Herbert Jones. Like that definitely has given him a little bit more opportunity uh, to get in the lineup and get minutes. Um, so I like that aspect of it, but at the same time, like he's also going to be out. He's not going to be NBA conditioned. I feel like he's going to move on from this team. I feel like he's he's almost kind of <clears throat> he's not sandbagging, but you know I knew that he wasn't going to rush back when he didn't need to, and that's just going to buy himself time to again kill out another year and potentially be on the move in the off season. Um, and it just doesn't work out with stars and with the Pelicans. You know what I mean? Like it just it just never has. Yep, and we've heard plenty of reports of Zion not loving his time already in New Orleans. Um, I, I feel bad for CJ McCollum. He's going to be stuck there. I think he's got three more years on his deal. Then mm. he'll be playing into mid thirties. I don't know. Yeah, he's tough. tough if he play. doesn't get moved, he's going to finish his career with the Pelicans. So for his sake, you know, I would hope they'd be able to get something back for Zion if he doesn't stick around. That lineup, the way it is, like I would, I don't love Devontae Graham, but decent starter, I guess. Graham, mm-hmm. McCollum, Ingram. If Zion's back, plus Valencia Unis, like that's a good lineup. But I also don't know what that's going to do for you, you know, in the West. You know, I, I, I don't know how, how great you're going to finish, uh, finish the year. Uh, there's a lot of competition out there. I don't know what they really add up to with everybody else. Great point. Uh, as far as, you know, fantasy concerns go, CJ McCollum, he's averaging about 35 fantasy points on the season. I expect him to stay pretty even keel. Um, you know, more so recently, you may see like his average go down a little bit, maybe you know, handful of points, maybe goes down to 30 just because he's getting, you know, integrated in, in the lineup. We've already seen him, seen him miss a start, you know, Larry Nance, you know, he's, he's injured, no really effect there. You're not looking to buy him. What do we think about the Josh Hart side of things? I mean, we've been talking all about the, the Pelicans. What do we think about Portland and what they're receiving here? Cause I feel like this is fantasy gold for Josh Hart owners. Like there's not much competition here for time on the floor. Yeah. I mean, I think he's got to be boosted into a better situation there, um, kind of just by default and who they have. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't really know what at all what this Trailblazers team is going to bring in on a night-to-night basis. I, I'm i expecting a lot of bad basketball there. Yeah, I mean, your new start, your starting lineup now, you're looking at, you know, Anthony Simmons, Ben McElmore, Josh Hart, Justice Winslow. Wow, Justice Winslow. <laughs> uh, Yusef Nurkic. Like, that is not, that is very underwhelming. Shout out CJ Ellaby, uh, who's going to be playing behind Josh Hart and um, Ben McElmore. Any chance uh, Nurkic could get moved here? 
I, you know, I don't know. I feel like they could, he's the piece to build around right now because Dame is going to be on the way out. And to be honest, like Nurkic has been having great progression this season and last year. I don't think it's a terrible piece to build around. Like Josh Hart and Nurkic. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not something you're writing home about. It's not something you're spending, you know, first and second round fantasy uh, draft picks on. But at the same time, like they're guys this season that have produced like really well, like Josh Hart is still having a very good season, averaging uh, 13 points, 7.8 rebounds and four assists, <clears throat> averaging a steal a game. Like these are not numbers to knock away in fantasy. That's for sure. So they're going to be, they're going to be stat collectors. I guess Nurkic could be on the move, but man, if they don't get some sort of equal value back, like someone that's just like upset about their, their, their situation, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, Julius Randall, who's like, you know, pushing around like the, uh, the, the audio visual, audio visual guy on the sideline. Like, <laughs> I, I, I guess like he'd go into a great situation where he'd be a pure dominate, uh, ball dominator or like a Jeremy Grant, like, you know, the, trying to plug in this, <laughs> this four spot for justice Winslow. So that he doesn't have to start any games. Um, yeah. I mean, he could be a piece, I suppose, uh, Russell Westbrook, you know, if, if they can move Dame some, somehow, you know, if Dame's going to come back for this year, they also received Eric Bledsoe in that trade. You know, Eric Bledsoe is not doing much of much. Uh, what do I not have? His, I guess I don't have his, his averages up, uh, for fantasy, but he's averaging 10 points a game, three and a half rebounds and four and a, uh, 4.2 assists. So not having a bad season, I would expect his production to go up a little bit just because he's playing behind Anthony Simmons who isn't like a pure ball dominator. He's more of like a catch and shoot type of guy. So I would expect his to go up. Um, We will bring up Nikhil Alexander Walker uh, in a moment here when we actually jump to his next trade because they wound up trading him again. Um, All right. So the next trade we have up pretty simple one here. Cavs trade for Karis LeVert. Uh, Cleveland Cavaliers get Karis LeVert. Indiana Pacers get Ricky Rubio and a bunch of picks. 2022 first, 2022 second, 2027 second from Utah. Uh, this is a this is a home run here, Steve. I don't know what's not to like. Yeah, home run for the Cavaliers. This is a great piece for what they're building. They're a scrappy team that just has a bunch of young guys that they'll throw at you on a nightly basis and kind of tire you out, in my opinion. And Karis LeVert just adds right in there. It costs you Ricky Rubio. Obviously, it costs you some draft capital moving forward, right. but lottery protected. You like to see that. Um, mm-hmm. And then Ricky Rubio, who great year. Um, won't we won't see him, you know, for the rest of this year. So, I, I and I, I don't think he's going to probably last in Indiana. I think he would be, um, you know, a free agent after this. So, mm-hmm. love it, love it for the Cavs. Great, great addition, and it's great that they realize that they are contenders in the East, and they're going to go after it. I absolutely love it. It makes their lineup absolutely amazing. Darius Garland, Karis LeVert, Lori Markkinen, Win Healthy, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. You got Kevin Love coming off the bench. You know, if Markkinen's out, you got a, uh, Isaac Okoro in the starting lineup who's shown that he can be a, a versatile guard and forward. Uh, C.D. Osman coming off the bench, not terrible, could be better. You know, you, you definitely would prefer if that's Colin Sexton, but, you know, they got hit by the injuries for sure. Um, Rajon Rondo playing behind Darius Garland. I was listening to Darius Garland on Draymond Green's podcast. He was talking up Ricky Rubio to the end of the world and back and just about how he had such a positive impact on his season, you know, when he came in and just kind of really drove him to be a more of a leader and like vocal player on the court. Um, and then kind of like a very similar situation when Rondo came over, uh, has benefited Garland even more. So, you know, like you said, like the, you know, the second day, like we're getting ready to travel somewhere. And I think he said like, I don't know if it was back of the plane or back of the bus. He's like, Hey, you know, back here, we're watching tape, you know, like 
really trying to help uh, support his growth and trying to like, you know, just help, help a young player come up. And that's what he's been brought in to do. And if he's embracing that and they've got all this talent, like, man, look out for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Like Karis LeVert adds so much length to their lineup. You know, LeVert, marketing Mobley, like right up the middle of the floor, like that's going to be deadly. Plus Jared Allen down low, like one of the better big men on the season. Like there's a lot to like about this team. His fantasy stock, I feel like has it has to take a dip. I mean, I think he had like a sixty point fantasy game his last game for the um, for the Pacers. Like he had like forty two points or something crazy. Like he was absolutely going off for them. It was coming on the back of a lot of opportunity because they had so many players out. So that's awesome. But like he can go out and get his any night. He can go up and put up points, grab assists, rebounds. He's a stat collector. But you know, in this like thick lineup of talent right now with Garland. You know, marketing, if you know, when he's around Mobley, Allen, Love, you know, like I got to feel like the assists and rebounds aren't going to be there as much, but I feel like the scoring upside is is still going to be uh, very positive. Um, do you see any drawback to him going on to more of a loaded roster? I, I do think you see some of those. I even think you could see his points take a dip, but I don't think much of a dip. They want him to come in there, at least be putting in, you know, 15 a game. Um, mm-hmm. And then just chipping in where he can still assist. I do think obviously Darius Garland will take some of that away from him. Um, right. But, but I just love this piece to finish out their team. I feel like, and really didn't have to give up, you know, any of their major pieces that are currently in their lineup. Yeah. I'd love to see them grab another piece. Even, I mean, it's crazy to say that as a bulls fan, like I would, I would love the yeah, Bulls. Just simmer get, down, get a, simmer down. Get a get a big man, please. Like you've had all season. I'm watching Bismack Biombo like dropping crazy points. Guys like <laughs> Goga Batadze filling in for the Pacers. Like I'm like, who are these guys that are just like getting put crazy production? Hey, I did see Omer was available. Omer Yurtsevin. You know how we Chicago boys love Omers. Oh yeah. I mean, if we could get Yurt, that would be crazy. Uh, I was hearing that he was uh, made available and that the Charlotte Bobcats were interested. That's Hogwash, get out of here, Bobcats. Bulls need to get up in there. Bulls well, need to get up in there. 15 and 10 the, every night, I'm telling you. If you're the Heat, his performance earlier in the season was exactly what you wanted him to do because they obviously didn't plan on giving him many minutes, and you could sell him to somebody because that was the rebounds alone were impressive. Oh, that's all we need. That's all the Bulls need is just rebounds, rebounds. I, I was kidding about the 15 points. Just give me the 10 rebounds. <laughs> give me the 8 to 12 rebounds every night and put your hands up in the air, in the paint, and we'll be fine. You know, we just need another big man. They keep talking, you know, like Patrick Williams is coming back. Lonzo Bell's coming back. Alex Crusoe's coming back. Anybody in the league would want these guys to come back onto their team for the playoffs. Yeah, I get it. That's awesome. But can we have some insurance, please? Like, when was the last time we were in the top three? I think Derrick Rose is probably on our team. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, this is not coming around every day, Chicago. Like, come on, man. Like, let's get it together. All right. Next up, we've got uh, the trade that kind of kicked off the the deadline uh, movement. We had the the Clippers and the Trailblazers. Trailblazers again, dumping big time. We've got uh, the Clippers receiving Robert Covington and Norman Powell. The Trailblazers getting back Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, who we kind of mentioned a little bit, Keon Johnson, and a future second round pick. Like. What are the Trailblazers doing? They're bending over to, on this one. Like, what the hell? Eric Bledsoe yeah. is not fair compensation for either of these guys. Yeah, I was actually, this trade was almost blending in with the other uh, Trailblazers trade we were making with because, you know, we were talking about some of these new pieces. I I don't understand this one. The return is not nothing. 
I mean, they gave I, up these people for absolutely nothing. Um, and then when you look back at the Gary Trent trade they met, they made, I mean, mm-hmm. they're the main piece that they got, Norman Powell, they just flipped him for a bag of peanuts. I don't understand this. Powell and Covington, great seasons. Great season. Covington, he's averaging 32 fantasy points across the last 30 days. Uh, the season long, just 24. But I suspect like he's going to have a reliable role with the Clippers who need production, who need big men, who need scoring. Next up, you got Norman Powell, who's averaging over 30 fantasy points on the season, 32 on the year, and 34 across the last uh, 30 days. Like, There's a lot to like about the Clippers right now. I am not giving up on holding out Kawhi Leonard. Like, Everyone's telling me, no, it's not going to happen. I'm holding out. I don't buy it because this team looks like they're ready to make a serious run. With Even with just Paul George coming back, they're going to be contenders now. Reggie Jackson, Norman Powell. Let's say Paul George is back healthy. Then you got, you know, take your pick at the power forward position between Marcus Morris or Nick Batum or Robert Covington. Uh, Ivan Zubats, Isaiah Hartenstein, he's definitely going to take a back door. Serge Ibaka, his minutes are going to go down a little bit, but, but for the better, right? Like that mix that they're going to have between the three, the four, and the five between guys like Marcus Morris. Paul George, Nick Batum, Robert mm-hmm. Covington, Marcus Morris, Ivan or I, Victor Zubat. Sorry, excuse me. Like you still have guys like Amir Coffey, who I didn't even mention, who can blend into the three, three, uh, three mm-hmm. spot. Luke Kennard as well. Brandon Boston. Like they instantly become a very, very deep roster. If this team gets back Paul George, they're a contender in the West. If they get back Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, they're a contender to take down the whole thing. You know, I'm telling everybody out there. Unless they tell you, unless Kawhi Leonard comes out himself and slowly says into a camera that he is not coming back this season, you keep that dude on an injury slot. Like, I have a league, Steve, where we're playing to like week 21 or something. You know, I have another league where we're closing out in two weeks and we're going to the playoffs. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So obviously know your own league. Like, I don't expect Kawhi to come back, you know, in the next couple of weeks here, but I think that he could come back in, you know, four or five and be like a crazy asset to have on your fantasy team, you know, the last week going into your playoff or just for a playoff run in general. So, man, this is a very interesting situation, but it's all on the back of a terrible offer from the Portland Trailblazers. Like they just gave the Clippers, like, you know, the biggest back door to the West right now. I don't get it. Yeah. I, th- I think this does wonders for the Clippers chances for a playoff title. Um, I, any gamblers out there, I'd go grab a future right now because like you said, if they can add Kawhi and Paul, George, I think Paul George is deadly enough um, with how we've seen him play this year that Kawhi, mm-hmm. if you can hold him out and keep him as healthy as possible all day. Um, one thing I will say though, with, with this trade, I do think there are some fantasy losers on the Clippers now um, who you could have got some value. You you mentioned some of them um, because th- they're going to be used more in rotation. Batum, right. um, mm-hmm. Luke Kennard, I think he kind of right. loses some with big, Powell coming big in. Big loser here. Big loser. Um, yeah, so I, I do think – I think even Marcus Morris down the stretch, he's been good this year, um, but he's 32 years old. If they can take some of the miles off of him, keep him mm-hmm. ready for – because soon the eyes turn you know, from regular season to, all right, we're going to be in the playoffs. Here's what we need to do to be healthy, uh, to be prepared, everything like that. So I, I do think you start to see um, maybe a little more minute reduction on some of these mm-hmm. guys, um, but for the Clippers, home run. Absolute home run. 
the West is really interesting. You have the Minnesota Timberwolves at the seven spot, which, by the way, is the start of the play-in. So seven through ten is the play-in. Seven plays uh, ten, eight plays nine, and then you know they the winners have the last two slots, right? So right now, the way it would play out, Minnesota would play New Orleans seven for ten game, and the Clippers would play the Lakers eight and nine. Right now, the way these these rosters are built, the Clippers will smack them around. I mean, I mean, yeah. I'm not. I mean, they'll smack them around right now without Paul George in the lineup. I'm serious about that. They would host the game for one. It would be, it would be, well, I guess they're both in LA. What am I talking about? <laughs> Same damn building, but you know, whose home floor is it, right? I mean, it would obviously be the battle of LA for a playoff spot. But uh, honestly, right now, even without Paul George, I like the Clippers. They're an aggressive team. Like we didn't even mention like Reggie Jackson at all. You know, like they've, they still got some, you know, some playmakers, playmakers here, some guys that, you know, get it done. Jackson, Norman Powell, Covington, Batum. Morris, Zubats, Coffee—they could take it. They could take the Lakers right now. The way the way things stand. I mean, obviously, I I imagine the there these rosters are not done uh, building. Obviously, Clippers are probably just going to sit and wait on what they have because, like I said, they already have a ton of depth here. But mm-hmm. I mean, there's very little room for the Clippers to move up. You know, they're 27 and 29. Minnesota at the seventh spot, they're 29 and 25. So you would need a little bit of a flip there. I don't see the Clippers making a run to the sixth spot. You know, I I don't see them playing out of the play playoff. So mm-hmm. I think it's going to be interesting. You know, the the Lakers could make a run if they make a trade, could maybe take over, maybe flip flop there, maybe they get the home game. But I, I kind of anticipate that being the case here because the West is just really good. Like I don't see Denver or Dallas teams ahead of them taking you know any type of uh, slippage. I don't see their record going reversal. You know, same thing with Utah or Memphis who are kind of clogging things up at the third and fourth spot, and then yeah. You know, Phoenix and Golden State, they're 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 going to stay up top. They would need both yeah. serious amounts of injuries to take big dips. Don't see that happening here. So yeah, Clippers, man, they look damn good. Portland Trailblazers on that side of the trade, just nothing going on. Here's here's where I had Bledsoe's numbers. Uh, he is averaging about 24 fantasy points in the season, 22 through the past 30 days. I would expect those to go up, maybe to like 26, 28 on average. I guess not a terrible buy, but. I could also see him just sitting like back to backs out. He's you know he's getting up there in age. Justice Winslow, he had 25 fantasy points per game in the last 30 days. I kind of see Portland still being buyers at the deadline, so I don't expect him to just be the guy. Uh, any love for either of those guys, Bledsoe or Winslow? I think you can make Bledsoe a play, um, mm-hmm. but I think I think Winslow is going to have some nights maybe, but he's going to have far more duds in my opinion. Um, and something that I'm going to want to see his role in this Trailblazers offense before I'm, you know, throwing him in my starting lineup. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Last one up here we have is the Utah Jazz are acquiring a guard from Portland, Nikhil Alexander Walker, who we did mention already, and the Spurs, Yancho Hernan Gomez, in a three way deal. The Spurs will get Thomas Sadoransky, who's already been moved, and the Blazers will also get uh, Joe Ingles. I said. Probably should have mentioned that when we were talking about uh, the Blazers, but uh, I don't think Joe Ingles is much of a needle mover uh, <laughs> for, for, for the Blazers. Uh, yeah, he can start at uh, the three and put Josh Hart at the four. I mean, he's not really someone that, that we're looking to buy right now in, in fantasy. Uh, I would expect his numbers to kind of take a take a dip and be a little bit more inconsistent. What do we think about Nikhil Alexander Walker uh, going to the to the Jazz? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm kind of split down the middle. Um, going into that team, I think there's plenty of um, good basketball that we played there where maybe his numbers take a slight increase. Um, 
But just looking at his numbers so far this year, averaging about 13 points a game, three and a half rebounds, three assists, uh, doesn't do too much for me. Um, you know, maybe you see a little boost with the good ball movement they have there in Utah, but mm-hmm. doesn't another one that doesn't move the me- uh, needle <laughs> for me all that much. I would expect his production to dip. He's averaging roughly uh, 25 fantasy points per game this season, 24.26. I expect those to come down. He's still going to be playing behind Donovan Mitchell. Bogdanovich plays a lot of minutes at the three, even if they wanted to shift Mitchell down and, you know, kind of go with a smaller lineup. You know, I, I, I like the idea of him, you know, playing in the second group with Clarkson, you know, Rudy Gay, Hassan Whiteside, Hernan Gomez even. Um, so I, I like the idea there. I like the, the the depth that they're getting. But, yeah, it doesn't blow me away by any means, and I don't think it's really going to do anything for anyone in fantasy. I'd say he would be a long-term sell um, you know, because he's still kind of a younger guy. He's 23 years old. Uh, in dynasty formats, I would not be adverse to trading him because I don't know what his role is going to be for the next couple of years here. Mm-hmm. Playing behind a guy like Donovan Mitchell, Jordan Clarkson still there, Mike Conley getting older. But even if he's gone, like what does that really open up for you coming off the bench, you know, for the next couple of years potentially? And he doesn't shoot the three ball very well. I think if he did, that would be kind of where he would make his bread and butter on that team. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it just doesn't really do it for me. Should be kind of a prerequisite to shoot the three ball well if you're going to plan on playing for the Utah Jazz. It's you know just yeah. something they don't stop doing at like any time ever. Hey, that's how Joe uh, Joe Ingles made his money there for so long. That's true. That's true. That one kind of being a one trick pony. I mean, he does a little bit of everything, but uh, the three ball that's his bag for sure. All right, cool. Well, well, that's all the time that we have for you in this episode. This was part one of our NBA trade deadline reactions. We will be back next week for part two when everything is wrapped up. Uh, I'll be dropping an article uh, this Friday on my reactions to all of the all the final moves, winners and losers in fantasy, so be sure to check that out. You can find me on Twitter at T-I-T-T-H-J-B. Steve, where can they find you? At Stephen Haman, S-T-E-P-H-E-N. And, of course, always follow the Sports Gambling Podcast, where you can find all of our podcasts and articles. Uh, Take care, be well, be good, and if you can't be good, be good at it. We'll see you.